What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of First and Ten. Today we are here with our week three recap, which was actually a pretty eventful week to say the most. I am a host, Adam, alongside my co-host, Mitch. And I guess we're just going to dive straight into it. So Thursday night football, we have the Dolphins and the Jags, which most people were excited for. They thought it would be a good game, not two great teams, probably two teams that won't make the playoffs. But um, they they were hopeful that uh, it would be a good game, fun to watch on Thursday night. But um, it did not turn out to be that as the Dolphins just blew out the terrible-looking Jaguars offense in a 31-13 to victory. Yeah, I mean, the thing that was really just – it was very surprising because I know you and I both picked the Jaguars to win this game. I mean, neither of us had faith in the Dolphins franchise, but it's difficult to pin the uh, the loss on one specific Jaguars player. Gardner Minshew threw for almost 300 yards. Yes, he had a pick and he couldn't get any touchdowns going, but it just seemed like there was just a lot of miscommunication on the team. It didn't. He didn't turn the ball over an immense amount of times. It was just the Dolphins just outplayed them. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a great time his beard carried him to a I win mean, yes uh Minshew did throw for 275 yards but he had no touchdowns he had an interception and knowing the defense he had behind him he has to know he has to put up like 20 to 30 points a game in order to win so I'm not saying it's Minshew's fault they lost but Minshew knows that his defense isn't supporting him and we all knew that Jacksonville defense was pretty terrible for crying out loud they made Ryan Fitzpatrick look good so um but that's just where it comes in. Like, it's I, I I'd put that game on Minshew because the only reason they'd win a game is because of Minshew. Well, yeah, but I mean, there was a lot of miscommunication with the routes. He was throwing a lot of bad balls. He was throwing a lot of balls behind. In my, I'm not saying he he carried the team and they still came up short. I'm just saying he didn't do any one specific thing to completely mess up. But. So no, but he Dolphins didn't do anything to stand out. out either, is what no, I'm, I'm saying. No, no, no disagreements. And, I mean, they, they had two scoreless quarters, and in the other quarters they weren't really producing. So it, it, it just never felt like ever since kickoff, it didn't feel like the Jaguars were going to win the game, which was upsetting considering it was a Thursday night game, only game on. Exactly. I mean, they made the Dolphins look like a successful franchise, which is a little disgraceful. Now we'll go to the most controversial turf in football as we talk about the 49ers versus Giants at MetLife this week. Um, Nick Mullins looked like a superstar out there on that MetLife turf, but um, luckily there weren't too many injuries this week for the 49ers. Like one or two players went down, but it's a lot better than the five-plus they experienced last week. But uh, this game was over right from the start. I think we said this once. We'll say it again. The Giants and Jets are two of the two of the, if not the two worst teams in football. And how do you get 36 points shoved up your ass by a team that's down 10-plus starters? I don't understand I mean, that. They what don't is... have a single, like, receiver. I mean, they have Brandon Ayuk, who they drafted, but besides Ayuk, they have no one. They're on their third. We're down to their fourth running back at one point that game. Their backup QB. Meanwhile, the only person the Giants are really missing is Saquon Barkley, which is like, yes, it's a big deal. But it's not like you lost your starting QB running back times three and a receiver. Don't forget the absence of George Kittle. But they exactly. Started, the fact that the 49ers were able to score four times the amount of points the Giants were after making the 3,000-mile journey. I mean, no, no one expected this game to be in the Giants' favor. But come on, Giants. And I understand um, people are saying give Daniel Jones times this and that. This is now three weeks of football where Daniel Jones has just looked terrible. Well, I wouldn't argue. I, I would say the Steelers game is an exception. But when you don't have an offensive line, it's really hard to get anything done. The Deion Lewis, the Giants, running back two, just did absolutely nothing. This game, Like you said, this game was over from the start. We knew this one was going to be bad. But, god damn, like, come on. The only – if we'd be talking a lot more about this if Sam Darnold didn't throw two in pick sixes. But we'll get to that later. I just – I get what you're saying about Daniel Jones. He didn't look terrible about Pittsburgh. But he hasn't gone a game this year without an interception, and his O-line hasn't been terribly terrible. Like, he's only been taking three sacks a game. Last week against San Fran, he only took two sacks. He, he threw 17 for 32, almost below a 50% uh, passer per completion percentage. Didn't have a touchdown, threw an interception. All his weapons were there besides Saquon. All right. Well, we can agree to disagree. I know you're a big 
Yeah, it, it's hard to defend at this point, I understand. I'm not even saying, like, Drew Locke's better than Daniel Jones. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the way Daniel Jones has played so far, he's just looked terrible. I think it's a combination of uh, losing Saquon, poor coaching, poor offensive line play. He's playing sloppy, and uh, and, and they were just – I think that they were also got really psyched out going up against this 49ers team that they saw it destroy their uh, – their friends over in MetLife uh, the week before. So, anyway, that's enough talking about this one disappointment of a game. Washington versus Cleveland was a pretty solid game. Um, at one point, the Browns took an early lead and held on to it, but at one point, the uh, the football team, in the third quarter, the Browns looked terrible, not scoring a single point and allowing the Washington football team to retake the lead. But then Nick Chubb came on, turned on the afterburners, rushed for two touchdowns, and really I, put the game to bed. I mean, I mean, you, you give credit to the Browns. They they faced adversity in that game and they got the dub. But if I'm a Browns fan, these past two weeks have been, the, like, yes, you, you guys haven't looked terrible, but it's nothing to be proud about. It is. You, you, you let the Bengals compete with you for 50% of the game, and then you let the Washington football team compete with you for 75% of the game. Like, Yes, in the the end outcome, you did win, but the Browns need to not wait till the fourth quarter to do that. That's the I, I didn't have any issue with the Browns this week except the fact that they waited till the fourth quarter to actually produce. And in the end, they did win the football game. But I, if I were a Browns fan, I wouldn't be happy about that. Well, I'm not happy. I'm just content. Baker Mayfield throwing two touchdowns, no interceptions, looking like the scheme that Stefanski put him in is working, especially against that pretty frightening defensive line and Baker Mayfield is not good under pressure we know that through his first two seasons he's uh been a bottom tier quarterback when it comes when facing the blitz so it was nice to see him overcome that again say what you will about the Washington football team the uh the O-line played great and stood up to the you want to know you want to know what I'm thinking about Baker Mayfield right now what I feel like he needs to take that step if the Browns want to be a contender if he takes that step from become, being a game manager to being an elite QB, the Browns could be somebody. Because what I'm realizing this game is Baker Mayfield didn't play bad. He actually played, played pretty well. But he played a game manager role until the run game actually picked up. The Browns were nothing. And, and that this is actually what happened week one, too. The Browns' run game was basically shut down as they were trailing the whole game. And Baker Mayfield just couldn't do it. So I, I'm not like hating on the Browns because if I really do think if Baker Mayfield is able to take the step, they could become a contender just like that. But for right now, like it seems like he's part of the issue for Cleveland. Baker Mayfield's never going to be a Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes. And Kevin Spancy has realized that. Kevin I'm Spancy, not saying that, but even if he's like a Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford or one of those people. Like, he's projected to throw 5,000 yards. That'll never happen. What, they're, what the Cleveland Browns are doing are mirroring what the San Francisco 49ers did last year. Having someone who can throw a ball. The issue is you guys don't have the defense of the San Francisco 49ers, so that's why I just don't, like, this year at least, you guys aren't a contender in my eyes. Maybe a playoff team, but I, I, I don't see a way you guys could win a Super Bowl right now with the place you're at. Because I don't think so either, but this was a solid win, especially on the defensive side of the ball, forcing five turnovers. Branches. I understand the, the defensive offense. It's awful, one of the most horrendous offenses in the league. Yeah, but when you're down seven defensive starters, still managing five turnovers, that's still something to be proud about. Like, can we move on? We've talked way too long about this one game. Okay. We're going to just continue to disagree. Uh, Bengals and Eagles. That was a pitiful showing from the Eagles. Once again, Carson Wentz struggles and really can't come up with any answers for it. I don't think it's entirely on him. But I mean, he threw 29 for 47, and you, when you throw 47 pass attempts and only 200 yards, that's that's kind of sad. And he had two interceptions, which, I mean, it happens. Miles Sanders looked nice, averaging 5.3 yards per carry. I and, mean, uh, say what you want, Joe Burrow's legit. Yeah, but again, you, you can say what you want. saturation of the stats. I mean, he didn't throw 60 this time, but, I mean, again, if you're throwing the ball 44 times, I'm – I'm happy that he's he's making good decisions. Yes, but, but what you don't realize is that. the Bengals could very easily be 2-1 and one right now. They could yeah. be. 
they could. I mean, if some of these, if these, some of these bounces went the other way, I agree. Week one and three, they were two very winnable games for the Bengals. Two games they probably should have won. I'd say. I would say could have won. I wouldn't say should. I think the Eagles game they should have won. The Chargers game they could have won. Fine. Um, but I, I, I just don't know what's up with Joe Mixon. The, 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 the. It's not even that he's not getting the ball because he got the ball seventeen times. It's that. He's not finding holes. The O line's not producing for him. And I think if if you could add Joe Mixon as a weapon to the into this offense, I know he's good and all, but they're just not using him right now. No, I, exactly. He he should be used more of an Alvin Kamara catch on the run type player. He's more of an Alvin Kamara. But and in the the thing that Alvin Kamara has um has in his advantage in, in his favor that. I mean, Alvin Kamara might be a marginally better rusher just on pure running back ability, but the thing is he gets to run behind that Saints O-line, whereas the Bengals have a bottom three O-line. I mean, it's just got awful. And, it, I mean, we saw the same thing with Saquon, running it over or behind a terrible O-line. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Mixon gets seriously hurt in the next, you know, in the next few weeks. I really hope it doesn't happen. That'd be really terrible. But, I mean, it's not surprising. When you have these running backs who – when when the offense relies very heavily on a running back who is one of the only good players on that team, one of the most only consistent players, and then there's a terrible O line, injuries happen because then the, all they have to do is stuff the box. It, it's yeah. tough. It was tough to see this Bengals, like you said, but both of these teams are disappointing me. It's just, it's sad to see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now on to the uh, the uh, the biggest frauds in the NFL: the Las Vegas Raiders versus the New England Patriots. Um, Raiders look terrible this week. Their defense was below satisfactory. I'm not even going to make fun of Carr because Carr wasn't even too terrible this week. Carr was great this But their defense, defense gave up 36 it. points to a satisfactory playing Camp Newton. They let Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead run all over them this week. Yeah, I mean, those are two really, really just not elite running backs at two, all. Two mediocre running backs averaging over eight yards per carry. I would game. argue Sony Michelle is mediocre. I would argue Rex Burkhead is very subpar. Again, it's tough to see where Derek Carr completing 75% of his passes for 261 yards and two touchdowns. That's a really solid outing, but it's not his fault at all. The defense was just terrible. The defense can't do it there. Uh, aside from Max Crosby's two sacks, there was nothing, nothing on that defense that it, really brought any hope. I think one of the big things that really was the difference uh, between this game and the Saints game was Darren Waller. Like, they really just did not – whether it was the Patriots' defense – I mean, doubled. the Patriots did play a scheme where Darren Waller was – supposed to be shut down but i i think it worked two catches for nine yards also with henry yuggs henry ruggs being out that doesn't help the raiders already subpar receiving core yeah and tyrell williams was out but i i think this game is on the raiders defense and that's exactly why i don't think the raiders are a good team i think their offense is completely fine against san fran they should or against new orleans i meant they showed us like their offense is legit but they're giving up 30 points every week to, like, I, I wouldn't say the Patriots offense is bad, but there, there are no 36. bad last year. I mean, it's, it's tough to judge now because Cam definitely adds the rushing element, which makes the whole thing. Yeah, but I still wouldn't say they're a good offense. But the thing is, like, it would be one thing if Cam threw for, like, 300 yards and three touchdowns this week. But it was their run defense that was the issue against mediocre yeah. running backs. It's not like you're playing Saquon Barkley. And they have Cleveland Farrell and Max and then Crosby. They should deal week with one, I understand you're playing McCaffrey, but they gave up, like, 27 points to the Panthers. If the Raiders' defense can figure it out, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. They could be a playoff team. But until the Raiders' defense does figure it out, they're not. Yeah, It's that simple. Because a team like the Patriots or the Bills are going to edge them out. I could even see three teams from the AFC North getting in the playoffs right now in the Steelers, Ravens, and uh, Browns. So the Raiders just their their, their schedule is going to get a lot tougher as it goes on. But they, if their defense is able to pick it up to, and put it together, then maybe we'll see them in the playoffs this year. All right, Bears Falcons. This was Bears. You've talked about you're very high on the Bears. Chi Town, baby, Chi Town. They need to stop sleeping on the Bears, man. But, I mean, the Bears shouldn't have won that game, mm-mm. but they need to stop sleeping. Well, I mean, three and zero record is impressive. I am not going to deny it, but it it was just so sad. For Fal- I I don't particularly like the Falcons, but oh my god, imagine being a Falcons fan, being the only team to lose two games in a row where you were leading fifteen points in the fourth quarter. How the hell do you do that against the fucking Bears? Like the Bears have a great defense, they're a great overall team, but 
God damn it! You're facing I, Mitch Trubisky. And I'm a big Bears supporter, but I don't I don't want to hate on them. But as I've said, like the Bengals could easily be two and one. The Bears could easily be zero and three right now. Yeah, especially what maybe we'll give them the Giants win, but they should very well be one and two right now. They should not have won the Falcons or Lions game. Those are two games they came away with. So, um, while I do love the Bears, they really I in in power rankings I wouldn't put them anywhere higher than fifty. I, no, I think they're good. I don't think they're great. I think that they're taking their lucky bounces and they're they're running with them. They're doing a good job of turning that an opportunity. But this team I mean, isn't. This Nick Foles did come in halfway through the game, throw for three touchdowns, two hundred yards in the fourth quarter, and was able to lead them to a victory. Agreed, but I. But I it's a it's a very a Falcons Falcons defense, defense. Yeah. exactly. I don't think he'll be able to replicate that same success throughout the entire year. But that, I'm not saying the Bears are going to lose all their next games. I just don't. You know, I think that. Bears coming up, they have the Colts and the Buccaneers. If they're able to win these two games and go five and zero, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. They, I, I've said they were going to be a good team from the start of the year. It's starting to look like they could be, but in order to prove to people that they they they're legit and they want to be contenders this year, they beat the Buccaneers and the Colts. Then <clears throat> give it to them. I, I but, don't think they'll beat the Bucs. I think they could definitely beat the Colts. You never know because the Bears defense just chooses when to show up. I mean, they, they show up week two against the Giants. I know it's the Giants, but this week they weren't really there. But I, I'd say for a Falcons office, I think they did a pretty good job slowing them down. They, As they, always, it's on Dan Quinn not being able to finish the game and on that defense, just giving up 30 points to David Montgomery, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles. And the only really good like, – And kudos, kudos to the Bears secondary for being able to shut down Matt Ryan. Yeah, no, that was impressive. Somebody who's thrown for over 350 yards two weeks in a row. So to, Yeah, and then being, just being able to call game at the end, pick them off, just end the game for their team. It was mm-hmm. an impressive showing in the, towards the end. There are um, two games this week. The next one we're talking about, Rams versus Bills. There were two very controversial calls that were very similar. The Bears game, there was a touchdown in the right side of the end zone where – he had both feet down, but then the ball got taken out of his hands. It was hard to see who has it. They gave the interception. And now moving on to the Rams and Bills game, which we're about to talk about, the same exact thing happened, and they gave the interception, which is a, it's a very interesting rule because I think if you have the ball and then you fall to the ground, and if, it, it felt like it was clear in both those plays that the receiver had clear possession. It was almost like the uh, fail Mary in Green Bay, but I just want to uh, talk on that quickly. I, but, um, didn't, I didn't watch either play, but I think Josh Allen is padding his stats even more. Josh Allen leading the Bills to a win. Padding his stats. What do you mean? Yeah, I'm saying. What, what sorry, do you mean? I should have said adding to his stats. Adding. Padding. Yeah. Padding makes it seem like he's throwing the ball up 28 to 3. No, sorry. I meant to say adding to stats. It's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's stacking up his touchdown. He's stacking up his throwing. And yards. this was against a very impressive. good Rams defense. Exactly. Um, I, I, I don't think either team has much to be ashamed about. I mean, if the like I saw someone say this, and I completely agree. If the Bills had lost that game, then yeah, then they should be ashamed of blowing that. And league. they but, should have probably lost. There was some questionable PI call at the end, but for both teams, this is a victory. I'd say. Yeah, the the Rams competed. And Rams. The competed only loser of this game was the Rams defense, but the Rams defense could also be considered a winner in the second half of this game. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bills have a really good offense. I mean, their rushing game isn't much. I'm not a big believer in Devin Singletary, but, I mean, Josh Allen can run. Josh Allen has a cannon. He can throw. And Stephon, adding Stephon Diggs is now going to be one of the smartest moves of the offseason. One thing I want to note that was crazy to me is the, 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 um, the Bills are up 28 to 25. They have the ball at the – 45, 40 yard line. So technically they're in field goal range. They could kick a field goal, get to 31, which would be really helpful. Um, but then the best defender, the best defensive end of all time, Aaron Donald, defensive came up tackle. Yeah. Sacks, sacks Allen. Yeah. Now it's now it's third and fifteen. They're on the fifty yard line. You want to know what Donald does next play? What? Runs right through the defense or the offensive line, strips Sacks Allen, jumps on the ball and recovers it. Yeah. That is one of like the craziest sequence of plays coming back down twenty eight three. Yeah, Bills Aaron, are now Donald range. Aaron Donald did it all himself, <clears throat> and then credit to Jared Goff. He he didn't drive down far, but he went fifty yards and scored. I mean, it it takes a lot of courage to do that, especially at one point when you were down twenty eight to three. But then you got to give it back to Allen for doing the same exact thing. 
It, he was on the verge of – it was a duel of two high-powered offenses and two high-powered defenses. That's why it was such a great game for everybody to watch. As you said, there, there's nothing to be ashamed <clears throat> about if you're either a Bills fan or a Rams fan. Both teams look great. Rams are really starting to look like they could be somebody, and Bills are starting to make a statement on why they, can, they, they should be able to compete with teams like the, uh, the Chiefs and the Ravens in the AFC right now. All right. On to a controversial game, for me at least, the Texans and the Steelers. What did you see that from this Steelers team? Does that, did they, does that give you more hope? I know you were originally a bit of a Steelers doubt in the beginning. Now um, they shut down Deshaun Watson. Oh, I should say shut down. While, after they defeated Deshaun Watson. I'll, I'll be honest. Big Ben this year, he, he, he does make a difference. He might not be playing like he's making a difference, but it, it makes a difference when Big Ben versus Mason Rudolph or the Duck are on the field. But the thing for me is I'm still not sold on the Steelers. I'm sorry, I'm not. They're 3-0, and yes, but the combined records of the teams they played are 0-9. Uh, yeah. they, they, I wouldn't say they very easily could be 0-3 because I feel like their wins were a bit stronger than the Bears, but they really aren't all this. They barely beat uh, backup QB on the Broncos, the, uh, the Broncos' second stringers. They debatably could have lost that game. They, I wouldn't say barely beat the Texans, but they were behind most of the game. It was in the fourth quarter where they took the lead. They they were able to shut down the uh, Titans' offense and the or the Texans' offense in the second half. But I'm still not sold. I'm not. The only saving grace for the Steelers is they have an easy schedule this year, which which is helpful. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I had a feeling Steelers were going to win. This is roughly the matchup I predicted. Um, I knew Deshaun Watson wasn't going to get absolutely clobbered, but I just didn't think that him and that abysmal defense and the DeAndre Hopkins list offense would be able to overcome Big Ben and Juju and those guys. So this is a game I pretty much predicted almost down to the score in my head. But Also, you know, yeah. on a side note for Texans fans, I know you guys are 0-3. You've played three of the best teams in football so far this year. I mean, you said you weren't sold on the Steelers. I'm talking about record-wise. The oh. combined records of your opponent is 8-1, and one, could be 9-0 and oh if two of them didn't go head-to-head. Um, you, you, you guys are probably in the worst division in the ASC, so I, I wouldn't lose hope. You guys get to play the Jaguars twice a year. You got two games against the Titans, two games against the Colts, where you guys are really going to have to prove why you should be in that playoff spot as the division winner instead of them. Because out of this division, I just don't see a way two teams come out of this division in the playoffs. So it's really just going to be a battle to see who wins. This is, I don't want to like mock on them that much, but this is the NFC East of the AFC. Just not as bad. Yeah, nowhere near as bad. But um, the, all right, what do you think of the Titans? Speaking of the AFC South, Titans Vikings. I think this was a solid game. I mean, Tannehill didn't look great, and Kirk Cousins looked at least a little bit better from what he did last week, but. These were two teams. I mean, Kirk Cousins almost seemed like Jameis Winston. In my, this like, was Dalvin Cook's day, not Kirk Cousins. Exactly. One of my favorite things about uh, looking through Jameis Winston's game logs, which always made me laugh, is he always had a little bit of everything. He always had high passing numbers, high, uh, large amounts of passing touchdowns, and then maybe a fumble in there, an interception, sometimes a pick six. I mean, who really knows? But that's, you know, that's just what you got with Jameis. You got everything. And that's what I'm look. That's what I see when I'm looking at Kirk Cousins' stat line. Yeah, sixteen for twenty-seven, not great, not terrible. Two hundred fifty-one yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. You know, just a little bit of everything, um, a little bit of sprinkled in there. Yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't like putting this game on Kirk Cousins. I, I, I don't, I don't want to blame it on him. I guess the two interceptions are his fault, but I, I, I don't like putting the game on Kirk Cousins. You could very easily as well. Actually, I don't know. I think giving up 31 points to a Titans offense that really didn't show up to the third quarter is – your defense needs to realize there's four quarters in a football game, not two. Derrick yeah. Henry didn't do anything until the third and fourth quarter. I mean, it's just – I think I, – I can't I, – I struggle to mentally put this game on, um, on Cousins. I can't. No, I, I mean, think it was more on the defense. The def- so Mike Zimmer is a defensive-minded coach. The score also doesn't re- really reflect the game because the Titans kicked six field goals. So that means the defense was letting the Titans drive down the field 
every single drive. So this game could have very easily been turned those six field goals, which were, what, 18 points, turn those 18 yeah. points into 42. That's an extra – that's a lot more points than the Titans had. Four points, yeah. It would have been 54-31 if instead of every field goal they got it. And mean, meanwhile, Dan Daly missed the field goal. If he makes that, do the Vikings win? Like, this, I, 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 I this, was, this was a bit of an ugly game. A bit of an it ugly, high-scoring game. I just struggled. To, but this was like the Titans week one versus the Broncos. The Titans should have won that game. Like, the Vikings had no business even being in the game, but they were. Yeah, the thing that really scares me for Vikings fans and about the Vikings is, like, as I was saying, the Mike Zimmer's a defensive-minded coach, and they're, the Vikings right now, after they went out and got Everson Griffin, they still have Neil Hunter, they are bottom three in the NFL for sacks. Like, that is – so what's up with that? That – it's – clear that um that something's off with the personnel and i mean that's a pretty scary thought if, if your coach specializes in something and you're just doing a terrible job of replicating that success that he's had in the past after acquiring a star pass rusher the hell's up with that it's just... issue, issue issue for the vikings is we don't know like they really don't have the most uh professional or um meant for defensive coordinator they have they have two people on the defensive coordinators calling plays, one of them being Mike Zimmer's younger brother, Adam. So that, that might be the first issue we need to address there. Does Adam Zimmer have a job because he's Mike Zimmer's brother? Second yeah. issue is, do we need – is it the defense or is it the court, Is it the play calling? Yeah. It, it, only time will really tell for the Vikings, but it, it, was, it was sad to see. I mean, I, I picked the Vikings to be a playoff team to win that division, but, man, Green Bay is proving me wrong so far. Aaron Rodgers is going off. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Panthers, Chargers. What did you On to the 4 o'clock slate. Um, Chargers fans, I warned you guys. That's all I'm going to say. I warned you guys. Justin Herbert, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to be nice to the AFC West Rattles this week, so I will. But Justin Herbert looked great this week. 330 yards, one touchdown. He did throw an interception. That was a bit questionable. But, um... Second game ever. You can still give him some props. Yeah. You guys... This game is just – you guys couldn't convert when you needed to. I, I don't know how else to, to word it. You guys – your offense was lackluster when you needed them not to be. I mean – and Teddy Bridgewater, he managed the game better. Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. The, 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 the Panthers just played better, and you really shouldn't be losing to a Panthers team in uh, 2020. But especially a McCaffrey-less Panthers yeah. team. Although, I, I think, will say this. Mike Davis did step in. Obviously, nowhere near the talent that McCaffrey had. You could say he stepped he, in. He, he he was helpful in the pass game, but he was nowhere yeah. near the runner that McCaffrey is. He, no, absolutely. But McCaffrey's more of a pass-catching back anyway. So, yeah. he's still a great rusher. But I'm not trying – not no part of me is trying to discount McCaffrey or trying to cheap shot him at all. But he is more of a pass catcher, and Mike Davis stepped in well with receiving game. So. Well, the, I'm going to be honest. The, the, the problem with this game was – the Chargers' ball control. The Chargers had more yards, more pass yards, more rushing yards, but they had three fumbles lost, an interception, and eight penalties for 60 yards versus the Panthers, who didn't have any fumbles, any interceptions, and only three penalties for 30 yards. Yeah. So if you're, if you're the Chargers, this does bring up concern as a Chargers fan, I think. Losing to a Panthers team, especially after Yeah. you guys aren't making the playoffs. I, I don't see the Chargers making the playoffs because your schedule is just going to get harder. You, you, you almost lost to the Bengals. You just lost to the Panthers. Then you have the Buccaneers, the Saints coming up. Yeah. If, it, you're you're going to have to bounce back these games. If you lose two more games in a row, your, your season's almost over. Mm-hmm. But I guess we can talk about the next game for a bit, but the Jets versus the Colts. I wouldn't say much of a game. but uh, I mean, the Jets scored even less points than the Giants did. Then they both got 36 shoved up their ass. And so. then the Colts' defense scored two touchdowns and got a safety. I oh, mean, man. oh, my God. It, it's, it's abysmal. It, I, I try so hard to defend Sam Darnold. I, I do, too. And But on I, Sunday, I, I could not defend him. I couldn't. He, he was playing terrible. I, he's in a terrible scheme. He's in the worst. The like, only the reason I think Sam Darnold has a future, so I, I'd like to note somewhere else, not the, on the Jets, is no. the touchdown yeah. he scored. It was just like the one against San Fran. He looks so athletic, and he makes such great plays. But other than that, you can't do that once a game. You need to be consistent. 
Yeah. I mean, he he looked like Mahomes for, for a little bit there. but He doesn't have much to throw the ball <clears throat> either, which also doesn't help. Him yeah, with all I mean, receivers. they're on wide receivers 6, 7, and 8 at this point. Like, Jesus Christ. But when you don't score – when you score once in the, in the first quarter – I mean, at the end of the first, it was 7-7. Seven, seven. And then all – And it's not even like good. the Colts offense was too good. I mean, yeah. Rivers, he threw the ball 21 times, threw it well. Taylor – Taylor rushed completely fine. He had a touchdown. Um, Mo Alley Cox, our man, caught another <laughs> touchdown this week. But um, it's not like there's any player on the Colts offense this week where you look at it and you're like, yeah. wow. There was, that no, there was no Justin cool. Jefferson, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Or no, week two, Mo Alley Cox. There's none of that. Yeah. I mean, Mo Alley Cox was pretty quiet today. but or last I week. mean, Xavier Rhodes alone had two interceptions on Darnold. Like, <laughs> come on, Sam. Come on. I, I don't think all of them were his fault, but you really – I mean, how do you throw two pick sixes in a game? I mean, just bad I, I don't want to call bad professionals, but we, we called it before the game even started that it was over. And oh, literally yeah. the third play of the game, it was over, a pick six. Yeah. Um, but that's enough for this game, okay? Let's, let's, let's go down to Seattle and talk about the Cowboys versus the Seahawks. This, this was a really good game. Um. Dak threw 57 passes, and it did not fail to uh, live up to the numbers you expect out of that. 472 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. But uh, I've got to give it to Dak that game. He did look really good. He did. Yeah, no, I don't. I, those two interceptions, I don't fault him, really. I mean, yeah, they're unfortunate. And I'm not thinking he's anywhere near as good as Russell Wilson. But when you are the entire driving force between any comeback, I mean, this is the second time the Dallas Cowboys have found themselves to be you know, dealing with another offensive juggernaut and trying to keep pace. You just do whatever you have to do. And it, with with Zeke playing pretty mediocre, uh, like the run game was just not there for them. It's, Michael Gallup had himself a great game. Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb It's not on up. the Cowboys offense. It's on Russell Wilson. It's on it, – exactly. I mean, when you – Russell Wilson, man. Oh. If he doesn't win MVP this year, I'm going to be so upset. I mean, as Ooh, of the first three weeks, weeks, he is. But um, there is still a lot of football to be played. and I. I hope Russell Wilson can keep it up, but um, the yeah. Seahawks are going to start to face some of their bigger defensive challenges this season. Um, in the yeah. in the coming weeks, they, they in the next five weeks they're going to see the Bills, and I I'd like to see them. I think the Dolphins are going to be the best defense they've played so far this year. I think rather than the Patriots, in my opinion. Okay, I I completely disagree with that, but or no, I think. I don't know on the run game if they'll be as well, good, but if Byron Jones, Xavier, and Howard both play, I think they, 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 could, they, could, they could be the best team to slow down Russell Wilson so far this year. We'll see. Especially if they can scheme for no Chris Carson this week, it could mean something. Yeah, but, I mean, Russ shown, showed in these past few weeks he's not afraid of throwing the ball. I mean, he would have had six touchdowns if DK Metcalf hadn't showboated and got and the ball smacked out of his hands by Quandre Diggs with the Amazing defensive play. I understand, play but the Cowboys' head. defense has been abysmal this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it can all stem from losing late Van Der Esch. Losing a star middle linebacker is just it is. It's a big, big hole on that. And know, then, I, I don't, don't want to like cut from this game quickly, but as a quick side note, I, I know we both saw the Chris Carson play, how he got hurt. There's, yeah. there's no room for that in football. There isn't. Mm-mm. I mean, these players are already out here throwing their bodies out here their lives and stuff. It was just rude. It was it was unnecessary. It was unnecessary. You you hate to see it. Those players should at least be fine. Um I, I don't know how much of it was they it was it's hard it, to it's tell. It's hard to tell if it was intentional or the intent. But I feel like it, maybe yeah. There comes it, I a think point definitely... on the rollover where where whether it was intentional or not, there should still be a punch. Yeah. I, I and I, I think it definitely could have been intentional. I don't. I wouldn't call it malicious. I don't think that the intent there was to injure Chris Carson. And I'm not saying that, but it was a it was a dirty. It was a cheap shot. Luckily, I don't think Chris Carson will be hurt for too long. It didn't seem like as maybe he'll miss this week against the Dolphins. But besides that, he should be fine. Uh, compared to what we've seen, Tariq Cohen, Saquon yeah, Barkley, Christian yeah. McCaffrey, uh, Philip Lindsay, we've seen so many other running backs going down with much serious, much more serious injuries. If any injuries can happen to Chris Carson, the Seahawks fans are happy that this was something late. Matthew Stafford, man. Matthew goddamn Stafford. All right. Actually, why am I saying Matthew Stafford? That Lions defense was great this week. I mean, Kyler Murray looked like a bum. He just could not 
and he looked like Lamar 2.0. He didn't even look bad. He, it, I don't even wouldn't call him Lamar 2.0 because he wasn't making bad throws. It was just his decision making this week. It was terrible. Yeah, he made and, he threw three interceptions, which it, for Kyler Murray has been pretty rare this year to see something. Especially that, against that the Lions defense that's missing Darius Slay. It, it, it was just missing Darius Slay. Jeff Okuda went down after the third quarter. I, Okuda played great, but um, he wasn't there for the fourth quarter. So you, you, you don't really have an excuse, Tyler. I mean, the Lions defense is mediocre at best. Um, yeah. it, it was just bad decision-making. I'm not, I'm not a big Tyler Murray fan. If you take away those three interceptions, though, that's a really good stat line. 23 for 35, he also 70 yards. A, a rushing touchdown. And, no, I'm not saying he's a bad football and, player. And, but I, and I the connection between D-Hop and Kyler Murray has just been crazy these past few weeks but i think we all predicted that but yeah. i didn't know it would be this night i mean christian kirk and larry fitzgerald are basically just ignored in this offense christian kirk given he was hurt uh, this he, week but even the past two weeks it's like last year it's like christian kirk would have a good game and larry fitz would have a good game the next this year it's all d-hop yeah and it's it's a great for d-hop fantasy owners the connection is there, but I mean, I, I'm worried we might see another situation where they're just trying to force speed the ball to him at, later on down the stretch. But it's, yeah. it's a possibility. Uh, on the but, on I, the Falcons or on the Lions side of play, I feel like having Kenny Galladay back brings brings like such a big threat to their offense because now you have to worry about Galladay, Hawkinson, and Jones and Marvin Jones. Yeah, and then this is along Marvin with Jones the um with with Adrian Peterson. I mean, he didn't have a great game, but you still. It Cardinals had great run D this week. Their pass D, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give it to them. It's also Yeah, no. For the Lions, it's interesting. I'm I'm starting to wonder like why they felt the need to take DeAndre Swift so early in the draft. I see what you mean. I mean if they were planning on signing Adrian Peterson, although I guess they were because they, they weren't, but but even with them, but you you had Carry on Johnson who played great last year. And Seeing that they signed Adrian Peterson, it clearly means they were looking for a running back. So maybe if they didn't sign Peterson, a player like Freeman could have been signed with them for whatever we know. It just the pick when I think about it when and process it, it just doesn't make much sense to me. If you're not gonna utilize him, then I think they're just letting it develop a little bit more. This was the first week he wasn't utilized a lot. I mean, if in week one if he'd caught that touchdown, he would have had two touchdown passes. I just think that what they're trying to do is just get as many offensive weapons as they can and have the versatility to use whoever they need. I mean, like you said, they've got Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, Adrian Peterson, carry on, and DeAndre. I mean, Even Danny Amendola. Even Danny Amendola. I mean, that's a pretty solid cast of weapons. I think what they're trying to do is, I'm not, you know, obviously this isn't proven, but, you know, why, why are the Chiefs so great? You know, besides coaching and Patrick Mahomes and their defense stepping up, it's because they've got a lot of guys who can make plays. Exactly. Win. They've got Demarcus Robinson, who's their wide receiver four, and even he's could be a wide receiver one or wide receiver two on some other teams. You, you want to hear a quick take a I'm thinking about right play. now? All right. I up? feel like the the um the Lions receiving core in <laughs> Jones and uh, Galladay reflects the Chiefs receiving core of Hardman, Robinson, Hill, and Watkins. It's just. Yeah, Galladay and Jones are big pass catchers catching in traffic versus the four I just named who are speedsters. If they're able to add a third, a third, like not Danny Amendola type receiver, but like either like a huge catch in traffic guy or a speed receiver, like one of the hard Hardman or I do like a like a Mike Evans. Yeah, and then and then you also yeah. had Hawkinson, who is I I'd say right now is an off brand Travis Kelsey. I mean, I I see the similarities. They both. They're they're yeah. very big guys. They're very into the game. It's like they're very competitive. I, yeah. I think the line for Lions fans this week showed you guys that you have hope. Matthew Stafford is is still a good QB. He still has yeah. a good three to two to three three to four more years in him. Um, if you give him the weapons, I think there, there's hope for you guys. I, I I wouldn't keep your heads down. And and you have a very promising rookie in Okuda. I mean, that's all for that game. But um. Lions fans don't get down. I'll let you start. I don't want to spend fifteen hours on this game, but there's not the Broncos, fifteen hours this week. There, there, there's not not much to talk about this week. The Broncos down. I don't think they would have won that game perfectly healthy. I think that team's a lot closer. We didn't play to every single player on the roster. I still think they would have lost to the Buccaneers. But even 
with all That's of their injuries. I, I, okay. Um, with all their injuries, they had no business being in this game. Tom Brady finally had the game that we were all expecting. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. The defense looked they you guys did shut down the run like you always do. Ronald Jones was okay. Leonard Fournette did something. But I you know, this is the same team that held Derrick Henry to a pretty crappy yards to carry. But it's just crappy quarterback play. You had two intercept between your two quarterbacks, Brett and Jeff. Two interceptions to one touchdown. Melvin Gordon got shut down. Plus, I think that that um, I think the Buccaneers defense is super underrated because the offense is what people like to talk you, you about. You can say they're classes, underrated, but, but I, this week I, I wouldn't I wouldn't give the Bucs defense too much credit. This week our offensive the Bucs defense are top three in most statistical categories right now. Um, so I would have to I would agree I understand, but they weeks two and weeks two and three they played. The Panthers and Broncos, and the one week they played a top ten offense, they weren't really able to do anything. Also, um, but their D against the Broncos was great this week. Um, but for the on the Broncos side of football, I wouldn't get too down on their defense. The Bucks scored three of their four touchdowns, getting the ball on the forty yard line or closer to the red zone. First play, first drive of the game, they got the ball first and goal off a blocked punt. Driscoll, terrible. Um, our our special teams was. You, you don't think special teams makes a difference? It, it really did make a difference this week because oh, totally right, right from the kick, when we go three and out, then they block a punt. It's like that takes so much out of a team. It, it does. Yeah. And the only saving grace for Denver is they get to play the Jets this week. Yep. I wouldn't say their season's over yet, but if they lose to the Jets, even with all these second stringers, it's, it's embarrassing. They, they have a lot of Rough losses, losing two more starters this week, but I don't think the takeaways from this game are just be better next time. There, there's no excuses. They just they they played worse. Yeah, as expected, right. but just be better. Packers Sunday night football. Glad we avoided a ten minute charade on that one. This is a great game. This was so much fun to watch, and. I do, I think we I, I I predicted the Packers. I believe you did as well. I think we knew Aaron Rodgers come out. He continues to play similar to Russell Wilson, just coming out firing three three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, even without Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones was a bit quieter. Um, Alan Lazard stepped up big time. Yeah, had a bunch he's of pretty slow ends. though. I gotta I gotta I gotta roast him for oh, that. Absolutely, he had two he plays had... that should have been touchdowns. I'm like yep. forty plus yard catches. Yep, I know. Um, but it was nice to see some Jay Sternberger and Mercedes Lewis step yeah, up. Jay Sternberger got his first career catch. catch, and he actually ended up helping out this week. Some of these guys just just moving the chains, you know, uh, stuff like that. Just continuing to let this offense uh, continue forward. If they had Devontae and, and the Saints had Michael Thomas, I'm not sure. The outcome would have been different. I think it would have been roughly the same, but we haven't really seen the Drew Reese to MT connection this year yet, so it's hard to judge. I mean – it, it was just. I, mean, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. But this game, I'm I'm gonna have to put it on Taysom Hill because the that, the fumble, yeah, that fumble. Yeah. He, you need to make a more decisive decision there because that fumble really turned the game around. I mean, you you went from on a drive to tie, possibly take the lead to let giving the Packers the ball, then them driving down and scoring. It's it's a whole other game if he doesn't fumble the ball. But aside from that, Camaro was a beast, man. That touchdown he scored was one of the – probably the best touchdowns I've seen. Probably the best touchdown I've seen all season. It, I know. No doubt. But um, Priest didn't play terrible. I mean, he threw the classic yards Drew Priest. The eight yards for attempt. And, um, but uh, Alvin Kamara is just single-handedly taking the role of um, of Michael Thomas. I mean, Alvin Kamara, we know he's a good fantasy back because he gets a lot of receptions. But – Manuel Sanders really. This was his first touchdown since the beginning of the season. He has been a non-factor. Traquan Smith has looked better than him, although I although based on the targets, um, I think obviously Manuel Sanders is better. But Drew Brees has literally just been giving the ball to Alvin Kamara, and then he means a playmaker. He's going to make stuff happen. This is what the Bengals should do. The year. Sorry, but um, you know, I thought I think we all thought once MT went down, Emmanuel Sanders was going to be the next guy. But it, Alvin Kamara just absorbed the role, 
Yeah, but, if I'm if I'm Emmanuel Sanders, I want out right now. It's like it's the last years of his career. He has a I mean, ring. He has, if, if he, if he, he has no reason this, to like be on the Saints. If he's getting this uh, tiny amount of production without Michael Thomas, I mean, it's it's like it, it just makes you think for that. him. Should he have just stayed in San Fran? I mean, he he got traded there last season. He he was stellar for San Fran last year. He was part of their Super Bowl run, part of that yeah, offense yeah. that he he really. He made a difference last year, and now this year he's like not, not, not getting like the touches he needs. I'm not saying biggest, like force the yeah. ball to Emmanuel, but Emmanuel is good, man. The biggest thing that I think that the Saints should have learned, or that the Saints should take away from this game was, I mean, the rushing game was working. Let's take a look at this. Alvin Kamara had six carries for 50 yards, and averaging 9.7 yards, and even Latavius Murray. 12 carries for uh, 58 yards and 4.8 yards. I mean, those are two very, very good uh, yards per carry. I mean, when you only run the ball 18 times in a game, if they had just run the ball a little bit more, I mean, it was working. When you look at the stats, it was working. And that's a great way to chew clock. And that's a great – I mean, I think just they got too fancy with Taysom Hill and then obviously the, the strip sack – or sorry, the, the fumble on Taysom Hill. I mean, they, like you said, it completely changed the momentum of the game. If they just – I'm not saying they should have completely just rushed, but they pounded the rock a little bit more, made it a little bit more of a mix-up, and maybe this game would have been a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, Packers, I, I hated that in them at the start of the season. Rodgers yeah. looks legit right now. His revenge tour is going very nicely. Mm-hmm. But um, the Packers could be a lot better if they didn't waste their first and second round picks on two players who aren't really going to play at all. No, exactly. But... Yeah, the Packers are definitely playing great. And I, I wouldn't say Aaron Rodgers looks legit. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is legit. He's been legit his entire career. I just think, like you said, he's returning to like his like eight, you know, his 2012 form, and which is great to see. I mean, it, it w- I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if Aaron Rodgers decides to stay with the Packers, which is a huge if, it could be a few years before Jordan Love even, you know, takes a snap. But yeah, it only leaves us with one game left. Kind of, I'd say football. the most underwhelming game of the year, especially yeah, being good. hyped up as game of the week, the best matchup of the year, the battle for like the two best teams in the AFC. Yeah, I'd say the Bills look better than the Ravens right now. I mean, the Ravens look terrible. I, I mean, I, I can't blame it on their defense. I, 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 this game's on Lamar. Oh, they totally is on Lamar. But you know that score, it shouldn't have been within two receptions. Uh, Devin DuVernay got a special teams touchdown. Take that away, 34, uh, 34-13. That seems like a bit of a difference when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the score. But yeah, this offense was City, satisfactory. Kansas City got hot, and in the second quarter, I mean, I feel like it's always the second quarter. We saw this in the playoffs against the Texans, dropping. I don't, know, I don't yeah. remember how many touchdowns. The second quarter is when the Chiefs really excel, and they ate this defense apart. Marlon about the Chiefs was the, the, the thing the difference between the Chiefs this week and what they normally do is they 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 they, they specifically game plan knowing what to expect from Baltimore. Yeah. And it, it was I I I'd almost call it like an artificial game plan. It's not like what we normally see out of the Chiefs offense. There weren't too many like deep, deep balls. They they, well, they there, tried there to, were two, but you know, just shovel I see what you're saying. Shovel pass uh passes to Anthony Sherman. A pass Eric Fisher. Exactly, Eric, uh, the left tackle. I mean, even, yeah. even getting the run game involved a lot. I mean, although Edwards didn't have the greatest game, 20 carries, we don't see that too often from the Chiefs when you have the best quarterback in the NFL. But, yeah, Mahomes, like, moved the sticks. Mahomes did a lot of – just Mahomes just played. He, uh, you know, he did exactly what he needed to do. What we, saw, we, what we saw that game was the Chiefs are not only the best team in the AFC, they're the best team in the NFL right now. And – Many yeah. people wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Chiefs go back to back this year. Absolutely not. Because what they, I mean, yes, Lamar ran. He had eighty yards on the ground, but on nine carries, I mean, it, it, he ripped off. I think. I think this week, when this week, yes, Mahomes was the performer, but I think Andy Reid won this game for them this week. The way he was able to stop Lamar on the defense is just, oh, yeah. it's just mind-boggling to me. I mean. Tyron Matthews did a great job of mirroring Lamar Jackson, making sure he couldn't rip off those 40-yard darts like he did in the first thing. But you take away that 43-yard rush, and now he's nine carries or eight carries for 40 yards. 40 40 yards. 
that's five yards per carry. He's not getting first downs on those yardage, and they, they that's what they did. They you know he would try and you know it was almost systematic. He would try and, the issue. Uh, the issue for Lamar is that, I mean, he needs a receiver. He he needs like a good receiver. I mean, you we Brown was getting Mar- double team. Marquise Brown, not even that. Andrews was dropping balls, which was weird to see, but he dropped a touchdown. Um, yeah, he catches that. It could be a different game. Lamar would have broke hundred yards. Good for you, Lamar. Congrats. Um. But um, all jokes aside, this team is in need of a receiver. They they need to figure something out. I, I'm not going to say sign Antonio Brown, but there's other options on the market like Des Bryant or someone. Just just someone to bring a threat to that offense because outside of Lamar, that off good offensive line, but that offense really isn't too intimidating. Yeah, but I I, I would also say yes. Um, Mark Andrews has had two drops, but. A lot of the balls Lamar was throwing were just not good balls. He had a sub sixty percent completion percentage. Take you know, take away two for the drops, but there were a lot of balls that were just whether it was miscommunication for the routes or uh, or just poorly thrown balls. I don't care who you are, you can't throw ninety seven passing yards. No, I guess that and expect to win the game. You you just can't. I, I they they run a ton. They were a run first team. They led the league in rushing yards last year, but. He looked bad. The Chiefs defense, which last year, if you would ask me week three, or not, I shouldn't say that because we didn't know the Ravens were good. But, you know, if you asked me, you know, week 10 last week and said, do you think, um, if I told you that the Chiefs were able to shut down Lamar Jackson, I'd be like, you're, you're crazy. I mean, yes, Mahomes is on that team, but they don't have a defense. But, damn it, they had a defense tonight. And I think that's, you know, Mahomes – was able to light them up, and then the defense was able to stop Lamar, and that's all you have to do. It was super impressive for me to see all the sacks as well. It's just the Chiefs are a very complete football team, and I was wrong. I was shocked in their defense. I'm going to be honest. That was shocking. It, it was impressive. I mean, it's going to be really tough to beat these Chiefs with Andy Reid, like you said, drawing up plays to Eric Fisher and to Anthony Sherman. It's gonna be really tough to beat this team, and I'm so excited for their game against the Patriots next week. Yeah, that that couldn't have worried better myself. I mean, Chiefs, Aww. they're legit. Yeah, that's what 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 else can I say? They're legit. But, um, <sighs> Great week of football, though. It was. If it was an entertaining week. If you have didn't watch the Chiefs Ravens? I recommend you go on YouTube and look up highlights because damn it, was it interesting. <laughs> But um, with, with with that, that's um all we have for today. A very interesting episode. Very odd to see me uh, support AFC West teams, but it did happen. It did happen. <laughs> Please note that down. It did happen. Still don't support the Steelers though. Um, enough. No. Uh, but um, besides that, that's all we have for today. We hope all of you enjoyed. Be sure to check out the past podcast or the other podcast coming in the next few days about our predictions for week four this and that uh go broncos uh 13 and three is going to be our final record um besides that thank you have a good one and we're thanks for listening guys